Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I believe you're already enjoying the new year, and we're just believing God to hear and receive instruction and counsel and wisdom that we will go forward in his plan for this year. Praise God. Hallelujah. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You are faithful. Hallelujah, Lord. Your word is forever settled. We thank you. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Oh, we receive. We, we open our hearts. We yield to you. We trust you, Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Oh, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. You're worthy, O oh Lord. You're worthy. Hallelujah. Worthy to receive the glory. Worthy to receive the honor. Worthy to receive the praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. We worship you. We trust you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'll just um, turn into Hebrews, the second chapter. And um, we notice there something about our great salvation and how that salvation is great. It's not just salvation. It is so great salvation. And uh, as the word continues, we declare there that this earth is now in the last days, in the very period of the end of the age of the church, and therefore we're getting ready for other ages, such as the Jewish age, continuing again, also known as the tribulation, and then eventually the millennium. So as we read there, it says in verse 5, For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownest him with glory and honor, that didst set him over the work of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. The ninth verse continues, but we see Jesus. So there are interesting uh, thoughts there. We are considering, looking at Jesus, considering, looking at the heavenly realm, the word of God, the spirit of God, because We'll be seeing in the Spirit more than ever what eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard will be revealed to us as we focus on the things that are above rather than the things on the earth. No matter what is coming, there is a clarity in our vision because we are able to consider Jesus, his word, and what he has said for us. So even though there are different words here in the 8th and ninth verses for see, he says we see, in one word is horao, you know, which means horizon, apparently, 
And then another word in verse 9 is blepo, which is a totally different word, which means to actually, like in a radar, there are blips on the screen. You know, so two different ways of seeing based on um, God's plan generally and then his specific plan. So in the eighth verse, you notice it was a general broad kind of plan. And then in the ninth verse, we finally see God appearing as a man that could be touched and felt and uh, experienced. So notice that Jesus came to the earth to be experienced so that people could come in contact with God in the flesh. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Such clear absolutes are what we should be holding on to. He's the God of absolutes and clarity also. There are different forms of seeing things in God's realm, uh, broadly and just a general idea, but then there are also very clearly uh, marked out ways of seeing what God has for us. Hallelujah. So Jesus came to make it more clear uh, how God would be dealing with us and how he became so close to us. He became Emmanuel, God with us. And through that experience, we are now going to benefit and receive uh, what God paid for in Christ Jesus. So no matter what is happening on the earth, the Bible says uh, the earth was made for us, not we for the earth. Hallelujah. We should never forget that. The earth was created for man and not man for the earth, as though uh, we have to somehow preserve the earth. We don't have to. The earth is supposed to cater to and provide for us. And we have been given dominion because of what Jesus did to make sure that we receive what the earth has for us from God's given directives and uh, ordained authority. We can now say, the earth is subject to me. The earth has to obey me. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Jesus came here physically so that he could be touched and be actually certified as a man who was also divinity at the same time. Hallelujah. And there would be no argument about it in front of angels and men. Hallelujah. So he came and he uh, went through death and then went to the grave. And then the Bible says he went to hell for us, just like Jonah. And when you study your Bible, it says there that uh, every time he would mention the work of the cross or the things he paid for in his mortality like that, he would say the Son of Man. The Son of Man is going to be crucified by wicked men, evil men. The Son of Man will be in, like Jonah in the whale's belly for three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The Son of Man will be raised again. You know, he would mention that fact that he was the Son of Man when it came to bearing that death and that suffering and that work of the cross. Hallelujah. So even the angels at the resurrection in the book of Matthew talks about how he said, you seek Jesus. Notice they mentioned the name Jesus. Uh, that was his 
earthly name given to his physical life body, Jesus of Nazareth, and not just the Christ. So all of these things are proof that he came to be touched, felt, and to experience our life, including our fall and failure, which was the penalty of death, and that the worst death, the death of the cross, and so that he could bear our shame, our sin, our curse, pay the full price for it. And since he himself had not committed any sin, he could not be held there. And after justice was meted on the third day, hallelujah, he rose again, ascended on high, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, and turned all authority in heaven and earth over to us. Praise God. Now verse 10 says, For it became him for whom are all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Here we are told that he's the captain of our salvation, which also means the leader, the highest rank, you know, and so everybody else follows that. Whatever he has done in this great salvation, we now follow and enjoy the benefits of it. Many sons are being brought into glory through that one special act of this captain of our salvation. And there's, you know, the Bible tells us in Revelation 4 and verse 11 that he created all things for his pleasure. And so there was one thing that pleased him a lot and that was creation. You know, if you are a creator, the best thing that you could say is, hey, just create, you know. And so he enjoyed creation. He enjoyed it so much. All things were created from his pleasure and for his pleasure. Praise God. And so uh, the only other thing that he enjoys more than creation is to see his, his own like sons, brothers, to come into that realm that he created, not just for himself, but for them also, to see them enjoy that place with pleasure that is eternal. The Bible says that there the pleasures are forevermore. Hallelujah. So this, this person that we're dealing with is so pleased to bring sons into that same place of glory and honor and fulfillment and lasting salvation and Benefits that is so exciting more than any other thing that would have pleased him. This was the pleasure that was set before him, the joy that was set before him, bringing all, all who trusted in him, oh, to that place of glory. Hallelujah. And through sufferings, which he trusted God in and used God's word and promises, overcame on a daily basis till he finally surrendered his life for us. Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church I will sing praise to thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which the Lord has given me. Praise God. So you notice here certain quotations are given. I and the children whom the Lord has given me. And I will praise him in the midst of the church. 
I will sing praise to thee. You know, amazing scriptures like that. I will put my trust in him. So these are all from the Old Testament, from the book of Psalms. And they are pointing towards the fact that even though God enjoyed angels praising him, the greater level of praise was the redeemed, the church started by his son, the firstborn from the dead, opening the mouth in praise and adoration to him. That was the greatest, highest form. Hallelujah. And so you have probably heard that praise is the highest form of prayer. And that is a truth and it's good to synchronize all of these thoughts together. You know, we um, receive instruction from God differently from others. I believe God talks to people differently. But as we read and study certain verses that the Lord gives to us to meditate on, we begin to receive uh, instruction. Glory to God. So, I believe that from these kind of thoughts here, God is excited about you coming home. God is excited about you being able to praise him from this earth realm, knowing that the earth must submit to you, knowing that whatever is out there cannot lord it over you because you believe that the Son, the Most High God, gave his own life for us that we may receive that dominion, we may receive that submission of every natural thing in the name of Jesus. So this coming year, we need to wield our God-given authority in praise and thanksgiving because it is going to still the enemy and hinder his operations. When your mouth is open and thanking God for what he has promised, you will see the fulfillment of the word no matter what season or time we live on. God has not changed. God's word is forever settled. Hallelujah. Praise God. We've uh, read a few things in English. Maybe I'll just skim through a couple of verses in Canada also. Verse 11 and verse 12 in Hebrews 2. Uh, Sister Kripa could help us. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we are excited about this and glory to God. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I remember the first day we were seeking God. Um, we had this time of praying in tongues and I believe God was saying there that the climate and atmosphere of heaven as an ambassador sent from heaven to offer uh, visas to people on the earth is that we should be full of joy. It's a proof that we are seated in heavenly places far above every principality, power, might, dominion, and name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. As a result of that confidence, we just laugh at famine and pestilence and whatever else is out there. Hallelujah. So stay in the joy, stay praising God, even though circumstances uh, may look really rough and um, may even try to uh, mess with your thinking. It doesn't matter. We will look up 
we will praise him that he has prepared a place for us. He's coming to receive us soon. But till the last minute, we can uh, exercise authority. We can praise him. We can see the enemy stilled. And God's word, which cannot fail, will come to pass. Hallelujah. We look at a verse also in John 10, and uh, I believe it's verse 35. It says, the scripture cannot be broken. Hallelujah. Also in the book of Psalms, in the 119th Psalm, we'll notice there, or rather Psalm 89, we'll leave 119, we'll go to Psalm 89 and observe there verse 34. It's a good one to hold on to this year. My covenant I, will I not break nor alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. Hallelujah. So, we are going to be able to focus on the absolutes of God. See, God is a God who has given some absolute truths that will not change ever. And that is what makes him who he is. Praise God. And like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Simple things like that. It's an absolute. You know, uh, the earth out there and people out there uh, are scared because they don't have any absolutes, because they think everything changes. And uh, the natural realm is always changing, so they don't have any anchor. But we have a more sure salvation. We have a more sure word. We have so great salvation. We anchor our souls upon the unchanging character of God. And he said his covenant will not be broken. His word that's gone out of his mouth will not change. It has gone. It will bring forth. There's no other way, no other negotiation about it. Hallelujah. Maybe we'll hear um, the uh, Psalm 89.34 in uh, Canada, please. And we'll look at Hebrews also. Uh, notice the 13 of Hebrews and verse 5. It says there uh, to be not into covetousness or greed like everybody else. He says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So notice that he's offering himself, just like he offered himself to Abraham, I am thy shield, I am thy exceeding great reward, I am thy constantly increasing salary, I am your finances, I am your supply, I am your defense, I am your fortress, I am. Hallelujah. So we are going to anchor our souls to this. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So you don't have to be worried about money and natural things. He said, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Praise God. So these kind of verses are going to take more uh, important roles in our life this year. We're going to camp around them and ponder about them, how God is saying, I will never. And there's some things about this language in which the Bible has come to us, the Greek and the Hebrew and all that. So, uh, you know, when you listen to the experts talking, uh, it brings out various shades. And I, I'm just going to say that 
I believe this is what they are saying, and if you have some other opinion, you can check it out. But according to the original, what the scholars say is that he says, I will not, I will not, I will not. So there's, a, there's an amazing um, strength to uh, reinforcing the negative again and again. I will not, I will not, I will not. Interesting. So he's trying to emphasize that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Never. Hallelujah. Uh, along that same line of absolutes, we were talking about how our salvation is so great and how it must be understood so we have a stable time in these end days. We, we are stable. We are not shaken. Hallelujah. And so we, we've looked at John. Notice, uh, maybe we'll hear this in Hebrews, uh, in Canada also, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Hallelujah. There was similar kind of language will be seen in that famous chapter of John chapter 10. Verse 27 onwards, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Familiar verses of scripture, but notice here in 28, he says, And I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish. That word never there uh, is again, apparently, according to the Greek scholars, it is a negative, negative again. Emphatically, no, never. No one is ever able to pluck them out of that hand. He, he has given them Notice the everlasting, eternal life. Praise God. Uh, it's really amazing. God is saying there that it's not possible for anyone to take them out of this so great salvation. He has worked it that way. That's what makes it so great. He says, I give unto them eternal life. Notice that it's not temporary life. It's eternal life. Hallelujah. So just by the word, even in the English, eternal means forever. It means it's not temporary. It's not temporal. Hallelujah. And that means it has been uh, begun before we came to the earth and then we accepted it. It started for us and then it continues into eternity. Hallelujah. Just by common reasoning like that, you can see it's so, so, so hard to lose this precious salvation, so great salvation. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God that he has held us in a vice grip between the Father and the Son, and we are God's gift to the Lord Jesus, and he's holding on to us. Amen. And the beauty of it is that we are his sheep, and the true sheep, they are hearing his voice, and they know him, and they follow him. Hallelujah. So those that are actually saved, who have really believed in their heart, 
even though with their physical eyes they have not seen the Lord, maybe not even gone to Jerusalem, but have simply believed the scripture according to what is written. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says that that simple childlike faith has actually guaranteed that they are eternally saved. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? And those sheep will hear his voice and they will actually follow and they are intimately known by this great and good shepherd of ours. Hallelujah. Amen. So when you consider all this, the other verses like Matthew 7 where it says, Depart from me, I never knew you, tells us that they were never saved. Hallelujah. They just based their life on whatever they did, trying to act like they kept their salvation They worked it out by their own strength and so on and so forth. But this salvation is given to us. I gave unto them eternal life. Hallelujah. So we have something that is a gift given to us. And we have appreciated and received in Jesus' name by simple childlike faith according to scripture. So there's really nothing, (laughs) almost nothing that you can do to lose this salvation. Oh, hallelujah. Maybe we'll hear this verse also, these two verses in Canada, John 10, 27 and 28. Glory to God. Mm, glory to God. If you notice, there are verses like that in Jude also. The 24th verse, it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. Oh, notice that he is the one that is able to keep us from falling in such a way that we lose our salvation. He will make sure... Notice, he is the one that's going to do that. He will make sure that our falling will never affect us in such a way that we lose our salvation. Isn't that interesting? You know, these kind of things are hard for the natural fallen mind to accept because they seem to have almost nothing to do with us. But that's what grace is. Before we were born, we were observed by his foreknowledge and He knew our choices, that when presented with the choice, we would make a choice for Jesus. And based on that, we were chosen, and we have been locked into that place in Him. Hallelujah. And this mighty Holy Spirit, this great God of ours, is able, notice that, He's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless, hallelujah, before the presence of His glory with exceeding Joy And notice 25 says he's the only wise God, our Savior. To him is the glory. Notice that man doesn't really have any glory there because he's the one who's doing it. He's the wise God. That is his wisdom. That's the way he pondered it out, praise God, in his great wisdom. Uh, And so he's worthy of the glory, the majesty, the dominion, the power, both now and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, these are thoughts that all go together. 
about this so great salvation, which we must be very sure of and very stable with so that we will not be blown away by whatever is going on out there, including, you know, the lying voices of the last days, which may try to creep in into the realm of the believers and the flock of God, trying to cheat us and, you know, mess with our faith. They did it during Paul's time, saying that the rapture had already happened because uh, of the intense persecution. They even claimed that he wrote a letter saying that the rapture has happened and, blah, and he was making a mistake and he was apologetic to the church that he thought something else. And, you know, all of these things are possible. <laughs> but we need to be sure that God is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his throne with exceeding joy. That is the wisdom of our God. And a similar verse was our Philippians 1 and verse uh, 6. Let's read that also. Hallelujah. Before we go into the Canada. So some things have to be very sure and steadfast in our mind this season being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Notice that's his wisdom. He said, I started this good work in you. You accepted me and I began a work in you and I will perform it until I see you and I together in that kingdom. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm, what an awesome thing. He says we should be confident about this. We should be very sure, persuaded about it. We can rest on it. Notice Jesus was saying, I will trust in you. In that Hebrews 2 verse, I will trust in you. I and the children the Lord has given me. In other words, he lived this kind of life on a daily basis, trusting in what God said. And he lived by faith and pleased God. And his father was very pleased with him. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased, you know. Oh, praise God. So it's not something that he has not done. And we are just following what he has done. That this same power during this age of grace that is in us is going to work for all of us and take us home. Hallelujah. So we're going to harp on the fact that now is the best time to get saved because we cannot guarantee how things will be in the ages that are coming ahead if you don't get saved right now. This is the best period of time to be saved. Hallelujah. It's, it's just wonderful. The wise God, the only wise God himself has planned it all and called it the age of grace so that while we were even not here, while we were not yet uh, manifested in the natural, he had already planned everything for us, and he knew that we would call on him, and he chose us. So it's not good to dilly-dally and waste time about it. We have noticed things like this. Let's hear maybe um, verse 24 of Jude, and then uh, Philippians 1.6 also in Canada. Hmm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, this kind of security is wonderful. 
And then, you know, in case your mind kicks in and wants to go this way and that way, we can also look at Hebrews 10 and notice verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wow, that's an interesting verse of scripture. Hallelujah. There is something about it that must be understood. It is natural if you come from... uh, you know, a heathen background like some of us, you want to see evidence of change in your life. If you are truly saved, you do not want to remain the same in the uh, experience of life. You, you want to see changes. You become hungry for the holy life and you want to grow, you want to mature. That is a guaranteed uh, quality of the person who is truly saved. He does not want to remain just like that. He wants to see change on the outside in his daily life also. Praise God. So this scripture says by one offering, instead of those constant offerings that were given day after day uh, by the Old Testament saints because of their failures, you know, where they had to bring an offering and they had to work and bring it forth and, uh, you know, point to that sacrifice over and over. In other words, they were maintaining their salvation in a way. They were trying to do their best and keep those laws and bylaws and all of that. Here, notice, one sacrifice, one offering, completely took care of everything, perfected forever. But notice, they are being sanctified. They are constantly experiencing a holy life walk which is increasing from glory to glory. So thank God that one offering has taken care of our salvation, but our lifestyle and our, uh, the way we behave in external uh, holy atmosphere around us constantly, that is based on our walking in the spirit and then not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. When we yield to the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, then we do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That is a daily thing that you and I have to press into by focusing on the Lord in the midst of our daily earth walk. Hallelujah. And if you miss any area and you fall flat on your face, thank God you can go straight to the throne, confess your sins before Him. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness and is sure that you will uh, fall and fail because we are being perfected. We are being taken from one realm to the other. This kind of change is going on. This kind of progression is going on. So uh, don't be shaken. Don't be moved. We're going forward. Hallelujah. We'll hear verse 14 also in Canada um, if it's possible. Hallelujah. One offering, notice, perfected forever them that are sanctified. Oh, hallelujah. So there is amazing clarity here where you can see very clearly what Jesus has done. Then there's the general things that God is saying, and then the very clear things that Jesus has done for us. Praise the Lord Jesus. So, thank God we have these kind of verses in this time. Praise, 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 praise. Hallelujah. We give you thanks. Let's look at some more things. He said there in Hebrews, as we were reading, 
Glory to God. Hebrews, the second chapter, how, verse 16, he took not on him the nature of angels, took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. The Bible says here that he took on him the seed of Abraham. It's important to therefore have a pretty good understanding of what God did in Abraham's life and so on. Uh, I think it will be worth pondering on in this season because you know Abraham was not a perfect man. He had his own share of problems and failures. But the blessing of Abraham always brought him out with more than he could ask or imagine. Of course, he delayed things by himself, but God always worked it out because that blessing was upon his life. And so we need to become more conscious of that blessing on our lives more than our performance. Hallelujah. He is working in us both to will and do of his good pleasure. You know, God spoke to the man and said, leave your country, leave your family. And he took it easy and came out with his dad, then eventually with Lot and a lot of trouble and went down to Egypt and brought Hagar, you know, more trouble. And, you know, he kept lying. And so he was very far from perfect. So it was not really based on his own performance, but it was based on the blessing of God upon his life. Hallelujah. Uh, The fact is that he believed God. Salvation has not changed. All you need to do is believe. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Today we believe and we are the very righteousness of God. Wow, hallelujah. Simple faith like that. We have the same faith of Father Abraham. And therefore we have the blessing of Abraham upon our life. Praise God. Nothing less than that. Notice the testimony of Abraham's servant. Amazing uh, testimony in Genesis It says there in 24 of Genesis, and first of all, in verse 26, this man is on a mission to find a wife for Isaac, and uh, he prayerfully goes out there, and the Bible says in verse 26, the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Notice that. This is a servant in uh, Abraham's house. He's a prayerful man, and he worships the Lord. And 27, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Notice he said, I bless that God of my master. I worship him. He has not left him. He has not left him destitute of mercy or of truth. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. By mercy and truth, this man was led. He's, he's telling him all these things, you know, so that you and I can receive the instruction also. God is a merciful God. He's the Father of mercies. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if those things are constant and have not changed, you also are a candidate for these kind of blessings. Amen. In the 35th verse, he continues the testimony. Notice there, he says, And the Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he's become great. 
and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. Wow. Praise the Lord. The Lord has done all these things. Notice, this is a servant. We stumbled upon a, a verse, the, I mean, a saying the other day, a word the other day. It is the uh, overflow, the uh, affluence that comes out of your life that becomes an influence in others. The blessing in Abraham's life became an influence in the life of his servant that he said, you know, this blessing of the God of Abraham I just have to worship him. I just need to honor him because this is what the blessing has done. And I have been serving this man. I have seen how the Lord has blessed him and increased him greatly. Hallelujah. So as we begin to tune in, as we begin to park around these thoughts, these realities of the God of Abraham being our father now, and this covenant which is far superior because you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, my, 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 what are the chances that you cannot actually inherit and walk in all of these blessings which Abraham enjoyed even when there were famines in the land and so on and so forth. He always came out blessed no matter what. So it's not really based so much on our performance the way we think. It is God working in us by simple childlike faith. We getting filled with the knowledge of his grace. We getting filled with what he has already done. And that becoming our anchor and our thought pattern, our fellowshipping around of these things, produces results on the earth. Hallelujah. I believe you're going to have testimonies during this time that will make others see that the God of Abraham is still alive, that he is the blesser. Hallelujah. Maybe we'll hear these verses also in Canada. Verse 26, 27, and then verse 35 of Genesis 24. Mm, glory to God. Awesome. Praise God. So you can see here that Abraham and God have a very important part in your life and my life. He has transcended all that time and come to us today and become the father of our faith. And therefore, it has all come to your life and mine as the same blessing and it must produce the same results. Hallelujah. It's not based on anything out there. The earth was made for you to dominate. The earth has to yield to you the strength, the wealth, the riches, the honor that is out there is going to have to come the same way it came to Abraham and made him very great. Hallelujah. There's a similar scripture which I think we should meditate on in the book of Psalms and the 71st chapter, Psalm 71. Praise God. It will do us a lot of benefit to ponder on that. Psalm 71, verse 21. It says, Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thou shalt increase 
my greatness, notice that, and comfort me on every side. Woo, hallelujah. It agrees with his nature, the father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the God of Abraham is now my father. So he's going to do these things. And, uh, you know, the, the next verse talks about praise. I will also praise thee with psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou holy one of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee and my soul, which thou hast redeemed. Hallelujah. So the redeemed are excited. Praise God. We are more excited than anybody in the Old Testament could ever be. Hallelujah. Praise God. These verses cause us to be excited and the same results are also going to be ours. Praise God. Notice, many greats have gone ahead and we are here right now. You and I who seem to be nothing, flawed people, nothing special about us, we are the ones that God has chosen to be here in 2021. That means it's not really your ability, it's Him working through us. We are going to hold on to Him, we're going to look at Him steadfastly, we're going to consider Him more and more, we're going to fellowship around His thoughts, and all this will just pass, and next thing you know, it's 2022. Until Jesus comes, we, we will just be holding on to His Word, and you will see, time will just pass by. Hallelujah! It looks like it was just couple of weeks ago, we were at the beginning of 2020. <laughs> Here we are at 2021. You and I can tell that it was God who worked in us. It was absolutely His Word. It was His Spirit. It was nothing that we did really apart from trusting Him. Hallelujah. Praising Him. Thanking Him. And I believe He's calling us to more of that. More of fellowship around Him. Around His will. Around His Word. Around His thoughts. Amen. So you can see Abraham had such a, a profound effect that Jesus talks about him also. Look at this in John, the 8th chapter. John chapter 8. And uh, down there, Jesus is facing some tough time. The whole 8th chapter is quite an interesting thought. If you read it now and then, you'll see some blessing in there all the time. They were giving him a tough time. And uh, they claimed that uh, he was you know, born of fornication. They were implying that and that they were born uh, very legitimately and his, you know, birth was questionable and, you know, he told them, you're of your father the devil and all of that stuff. Praise God. And then he brings Abraham into it. Notice, he says there, uh, verse 55, he says, Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and I keep his saying. So you can see a man who's not scared of anybody, telling the truth like it is, absolutely clear. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Hallelujah. Notice the simple childlike faith that is also brought out here. He said, he rejoiced to see my day. And then he saw it. So we rejoice in these things and we will see them. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's going to happen just like that. Abraham rejoiced to see the things that Jesus was talking about, the realities of this covenant mercy. Hallelujah. And the Bible says there that he saw it. 
In other words, it was Jesus who met him there, you know, and spoke to him in Genesis 15 about the covenant and those animals that were cut in two and the birds that were not killed and flew away. It was all those apparitions there were a form of Jesus appearing in those times. Hallelujah. But today, thank God, the covenant has already been done. Oh, the stuff has already been offered. The promises are now yours and mine. And they are reality. Hallelujah. And so we rejoice about these things before we see them and we see them. Just like Brother Anup said the other day, if they had opportunity, you know, to return. But when they began to now consider that country, they had the opportunity. Notice that kind of uh, language he used there. Praise God. So we are considering these things more and more. Hallelujah. He saw it and was glad. Hallelujah. Rejoice to see and then you will see and you'll be glad. Rejoice to see it, you will see it and you'll be glad. Rejoice to see it, you will see it and you'll be glad. Notice your ambassador status Oh, hallelujah, the culture of heaven, the joy of the Lord, ah, sitting at the right hand of the Father, rejoicing. Oh, praise God, you're going to see what you have believed in, and you will be glad, and you will be excited. It is a well-understood principle, hallelujah. Jesus' Bible says there that he said, eventually, before Abraham was, I am, hallelujah. And that was a very fearful name, And when he used that name, they knew what he meant, and they picked up stones to stone him. You know, praise God. Hallelujah. So, it was that same Yahweh, it was that same awesome God, that same one that walked through the fire, the pieces of the, I mean, as the furnace and the lamp, through those pieces that was there talking to them. He was saying, I am the one. I am He. Hallelujah. Thank God that we have believed in Him. Even though we know nothing, absolutely nothing about all of this, we simply said, yes, Lord, I believe you. You died. You paid. I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. I need your grace. Hallelujah. And God took us and put us on the throne right there, out of the dunghill, made us sit with princes, inheriting glory. Thank you, Jesus. You are created for this. Amen. So it doesn't matter. I believe this year is going to be awesome for you. You're going to meditate on these things. You're going to enjoy realms of life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That these are some truths. Now, we also looked at uh, the fact that Jesus has become the great high priest and the one who is the apostle and high priest of our faith. So we need to get into those places of enjoying his mercy in greater measure, considering his compassion that he became one of us. He became just like us so that he could be tested, tempted, tried in all points like we are, yet without sin. In other words, he can feel what you are feeling. Not just say, okay, be blessed, but I feel it. He's saying, I feel it. I I feel it so much that I can now rush to aid you. I can give you strong help. I can help you. So there will be all kinds of emotions and feelings and challenges out there, but you can go and lay down before him and say, I know you can feel what I'm feeling, and you're going to give me strength and help in the midst of all of this. 
and trust him for it and I'm sure you will enjoy it. Praise God. Consider this kind of person. Hallelujah. However, also let's go back to 1 Corinthians and notice we started off with the second chapter which was a very profound and I think um, the, the reading of it all should be done. From verse 6 he says, How be it we speak Notice that wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Again, he's bringing in the work that he did. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Notice we are the recipients of all this. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Notice here that if they had this special wisdom that you and I are private to, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So that death that came uh, for our sake, which he tasted and partook and participated in, was like something they could not understand. Hallelujah. If they could have understood that, they would not have allowed him to be crucified. But you and I, we understand that. Hallelujah. We have a special revelation and understanding that that death was for us so that you and I would not have to taste death. Amen. I believe if you drop dead right now, you won't feel a thing. You'll just go straight to heaven. You'll just become aware of angels. You'll just become aware of heaven. You'll become more aware of God than you've ever been all of your life. And you'll find yourself at the portals of heaven, the streets of gold, and you'll see Jesus face to face and the great cloud of witnesses. Oh, wow, wow, wow. It just knocks fear straight out of your life. Hallelujah. There's no fear for us left. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The greatest fear was the fear of death, but that was exactly what defeated our foes in that crafty, super wisdom of God. Let's just say he was sharper than any serpent. (laughs) He allowed the son to be killed by sinful hands. He said the, the son of man will be crucified, slain by sinful hands. Amen. And there was a time Jesus said, Let this sink into your ears. Let it sink deep into your thinking. The Son of Man is going to be killed. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be killed by sinful men. And he will rise again the third day. You know, they just didn't get it though. But thank God you and I were not there, but we got it. We understood. We received it from the scripture just as it is written. Hallelujah. But as it is written, verse 9 says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God you and I love him. Amen. You and I are fond of him. Amen. We love him. We are fond of him. We are desiring him more than ever before. Amen. We're going to look at some of those thoughts also before we close. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. 
For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Hallelujah. In other words, these things that are very deep, these things that are not seen by natural eyes and heard by natural ears, are things of the spirit, things of the word of God, which the spirit of God will reveal to us. Hallelujah. Verse 12 continues, Now we have received not the spirit of the world. See, the world was stumped right there at the death of this Messiah. They could not understand that. If, if this is God, then why should he die? If this is a Superman kind of person, why should he die? But that's what you know, the enemy uh, cannot still understand. That this man who had all authority, who had carried Adam's glory and honor without letting it go, actually dies. Hallelujah. Because he's now taking our shame, our curse, and our payment instead of anything he has done. Praise God. And that is where the whole thing actually hung. Amen. That blindsided the, de- the devil, the enemy. He couldn't understand that. Praise God. He thought, no, no, no. I'm sure he's not going to. And so they would say, come off the cross and things like that. If you are the son of God, come up. All those voices were coming from demonic realms. And Jesus knew and he recoiled, the Bible says, in the garden. He recoiled at the thought of death. He prayed and prayed and prayed and said, if it's possible, let this cup. Depart from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. His, his sweat turned into blood. Capillaries burst out. And it was intense agony. He cried out to God. But then finally, he, he knew that he would have to do it for us. And hallelujah. And he saw the joy, which was beyond anything he had you know, received before. Even though he created all things. Colossians 1 tells us in 16. Visible, invisible, all things were created by him. When he was the Godhead as the word. But now as the son. Oh, hallelujah. It was for us. He had to endure all of that. And bear it all. And not open his mouth. As a lamb led to the slaughter. He would not cry out for help. He would not command angels to come. Oh, praise God. He endured it all because the greatest pleasure for him was to see you and I light up, seeing heaven's splendor, the home that we actually belong to with our precious Lord, our eldest brother, and our Father, the great Holy Spirit, and the saints that have gone ahead of us. Wow, what a day, what a day, what a day that's going to be. Whoa, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. So you and I can tell that it's not the spirit of the world that we have received, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Hallelujah. Notice, freely given to us. That's where we are right now, in the age of grace. Freely given to us. Praise God. So we will get to know those things. We will get an understanding. We will see those things. We will receive the revelation of those things. And then 13 continues, which things also we speak. So it comes out of our mouth. Oh yeah. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, 
comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Otherwise, you could also say that the Spirit of God will help us to have Spirit-given words which actually uh, produce Spirit life and creation for us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. You know, the life and the death and the creative power on the inside of the believer as a king and a priest. Wow. Hallelujah. Your words are backed with heaven's own power. Even if you look like nothing, inconsequential, skinny, wimpy little fellow. But when you open your mouth in the name of Jesus and begin to speak the word of God. Hallelujah. It does not return void. It produces. It brings forth. It creates for you in your own life, in your own situation. Thank God that that authority has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to us. As you speak this specially granted wisdom, understanding, revelation from the, the things of God, guess what? It has to come to pass. Amen. That leads us to a truth which the Bible says the natural man will not receive these things. They are foolishness unto him because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we, will, we have the mind of Christ. So as you see uh, things continuing there, the tongue becomes very, very powerful. The believer's tongue must be guarded, and you and I know, hallelujah, we all offend in many things. James chapter 3, James was the Lord's half-brother, and he makes a whole discourse on the tongue there in the third chapter. He says, uh, notice verse 2, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in the word, the same is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body, and so on and so forth. So we're going to just hear First um, Corinthians 2, 9, 10, and maybe 13, also in Canada first. Adare Badiriva Prakara, Devari Tanganu Pritisu Vagadigagi, Siddhamadiriva Tavigalamu Kanu Kana Lilla, Kiri Kera Lilla, Illawe Avu Manushana Vidavali Sera Lilla Namagadare Devari Tana Atmana Mulaka Avugalamu Prakati Siddhamu, Atmana Lilla Vishayagalamu, Haudu, Devara Agada Vada Vishayagalamu Kuda Parishodisu Vavanagi Dane. Hallelujah. You can see here that he's being very plain about it. He says, you know, we all offend in many things. The Bible tells us that we, if we sin, we can come straight to our advocate. We can come to the Lord Jesus, confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. There's something in, in um, Solomon's prayer at the temple there in 1 Samuel 8. And maybe we can look at it. 1 Samuel, very interesting thought there. Uh, 1 Kings, rather. 1 Kings, the 8th chapter. 
and I believe is the 46th verse. Yes, he says, If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy far or near. In this verse he's saying, If they sin against you, there is no man, notice, that does not sin. It's a, it is a fact that until we, we get to heaven, there's going to be failures and flops. And, uh, you know, Solomon knew about it. Maybe Solomon took uh, the negative side of it too much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just went off too much in the flesh there. But it's a fact. And James, the Lord's half-brother, said, we offend in all. You know, there are all these possibilities of offense constantly coming uh, and we make mistakes. And, and so 1 John 1, nine is written to us. It's not written to unbelievers and, you know, people out there. It's written to the believer. If any man sin, and he, he includes himself, if we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Praise God. So um, keep that in mind. Of course, when you fall, you will feel miserable. And that's part of the feeling that you need to have. You need to feel the misery, but then run quickly and get it forgiven and let it go after that. Once God's, God forgives, uh, he forgets. So there's no need for you to entertain those thoughts. Particularly this year, learn to forget the things that are past. Um, Live one day at a time even more with, with greater, um, let's say, uh, care to forget the things that are past. Let them not hinder your forward movement. Let's let it go. Okay, we blew it, we messed up, but hey, the blood of the Lamb avails. The mercy of God cleanses, and so we just go forward. Hallelujah, and don't entertain those things from the past. Let them go. Get behind me, Satan. Hallelujah. Let's go forward. Amen. Satan must always be behind. All of his junk must be behind. We are going forward. Say amen. Amen. So, you know, it's like that. Jesus was tempted also by folks when he was on the earth to, they wanted to make sure they could catch him. You know, in Luke 11, it talks about that. Let's go there. So you also will have to, you know, face these things. Luke 11 and about the last couple of verses, verse 53 says, As he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak many things. Why? Laying wait for him, seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. Can you see that? It's just like the devil. Provoke, 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 provoke then it comes out of your mouth so they can catch you with it. They tried it with Jesus, but thank God he was the master. He was perfectly full. He was the word become flesh, but he, he was tempted just like you and I. So it's nice to consider him, you know, consider Jesus. If Jesus went through it, then you can go through it too. Hallelujah. <laughs> it looks impossible sometimes, but honestly, the blood of the Lamb, the mercy and the truth of God's word will keep us going forward. Say amen. And we are being changed from one level to the next level. How many of you can say we're better today than we were some years ago? Of course. Hallelujah. We're, we're definitely better. We're getting better. Amen. Better and better. But notice how they provoked him. They kept, you know, poking him so that he would say something unadvisedly and trap him with those words. But he just... 
you know, maneuvered through them all, and they would eventually say, this man's wisdom, who, who gave him this kind of wisdom? Amen. <laughs> and you and I can do that because we have the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. And the wisdom of God boils down to the handling of the tongue. Praise God. Let's hear maybe, um, yeah, James 3 verse 2 and then maybe these verses in uh, Luke 11 also in Canada. Hallelujah. You can also read maybe 11 of uh, Luke and verse 53 and 54. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So this season of time that we're living in, you know, actually comes into the place where the scripture says in Revelation that in the 12th chapter, I believe that the devil knows he has a short time. And this is a very, very critical time on the earth. So you can imagine the enemy trying to provoke you to say things that will trap you, things that will hinder your forward movement. And so we must be aware uh, of the use of our tongue. And the only way to use the tongue properly is to fill the heart with the abundance of God's word and thoughts about him and praying the Holy Ghost. And that will bring other things into control. We must be careful during this time. So let's go back to um, James, the third chapter, and see a thing or two. We had stumbled upon that the other day, that the most, excuse me, the most um, evil thing in our body is the tongue. It's a, it's a deadly poison and it's like amazing. It lights a fire and so on and so forth. It sets the whole course of nature on fire. So notice it says in verse 2, In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So the control and direction of the whole body in this year is based on your tongue. That's how it's going to be. That's where you're going to walk in. That's what you're going to experience. So, praise God. Verse 3 says, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey, obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Then he talks about ships. Behold the ships, which though they be so great, driven of fierce winds, they are turned about with a very small helm, Whithersoever the governor listed, even so the tongue is a little member, boasted great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles or kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, set it on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Wow. Every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed 
and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Alright, there's a whole load in there. And there are scriptures in the, in the word that concern words and the tongue and so forth. And you will notice you are trapped by your words. You will experience what you speak. You will eat the fruit of it. Things like that. And so when these revelations come, as we hang around the throne, as we hang around the word and fellowship with this great high priest, oh, hallelujah, we're going to speak things. And we must maintain the speaking of those things uh, and not entertain the provoking thoughts which the enemy, who seems to be silent, notice the only people talking in these verses are people, you know, Uh, where's the enemy here? He doesn't seem to be there, but he's the one actually behind the scenes that is provoking all these ideas and thoughts. And then he wants to see us speak them because he knows the authorities in our mouths. He knows that our tongue controls all our being. Notice that it was the bit in the horse's mouth that turns the horse, you know, and then the rudder on the big ship. So you could also say that You know, the flesh or the will uh, nature of this animal compared to an inanimate ship. See? So you could say that nature and the things about you that seem to be your nature or your flesh can be controlled by your tongue. And then, similarly, things like circumstances which are inanimate, that don't have life, that come against us, also can be controlled by the tongue, which is like the helm on a ship, the rudder on a ship. One may take time, circumstances may take a little time to change, but they will change. And the other can change quite quickly. Praise God. So, you know, some of us have experienced how cigarettes left and certain attitudes and behaviors left our life. But circumstances took ages to change. Praise God. But they did eventually change. So uh, we have to maintain uh, the tongue speaking out this revelation, this understanding that God gives us for the year as we meditate things which eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, things ordained for our glory, freely given things of God which we must speak, keep speaking, keep speaking, And you will walk in them, you will enjoy them, you will actually experience them, even though outside there people may be lamenting and worrying and hearts failing them for fear, things coming upon the earth. But we, as we look up and ponder on these realities, fill our heart with them, we make sure that's what comes out of our mouths. But notice how the ninth verse begins to change. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Notice, suddenly he goes in that direction. James is supposed to be a pastor. He says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? In other words... The tongue has to be carefully guarded uh, not to now use the tongue to judge men. We can judge things, but not the people. Are you getting that? 
we, we, we find out that it's not very easy. He that is spiritual can do that, and we are moving in that direction. Amen? So let's hear maybe some of these verses in Canada, maybe the uh, eighth verse and then the ninth verse also in Canada, James 3. Adare naligayamu yawa manavanu hatotige taralaramu adu swadina vagada kiduka gide marana karavada vishadinda tundi gide adu naligayinda tandeyada devaramu kondaru teve adarindale devara holikege sariyagi untu madalpatta manushyaramu navu shapisutteve hallelujah hmm. so we're going to be careful this year about judging people god actually <laughs> As I kept reading it and pondering about it, I noticed God actually hates uh, when we judge people. It's um, really the next level. So be careful to make sure you do not judge people. The same book of James talks about similar things. Let's observe James 4. Notice how it is worded. He says, be afflicted, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned. Is that what I said? No, four. Four eleven, I believe. Yeah, four eleven. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Wow. So, um, this is how God sees it. He says, if you judge your brother, you're judging the law. And he says, who are you? Praise God. So, we better be careful about that. Don't, uh, you know, digress. Use impersonal kind of explanations, X, Y. Don't name names, but describe the situation rather than putting the blame on the person. Hallelujah. It's going to take some wisdom, and that's the wisdom that we are talking about. If you jump along to the next chapter also, chapter 5, <coughs> excuse me, look at the ninth verse. Observe, we'll have to close. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Um, it's quite strong. You can see that. So we're not going to be able to play games around there. You know, it's, uh, the judge is standing, and um, he's our father, but he's not taking this lightly. So we must be careful that um, we do not bring the personalities into our judgment, but rather let us judge the situations and the things that are going on. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> All right. Let's hear maybe these two uh, lines of scripture in Canada also, um, 4.11 and 5.9. Sahodarare, ubbara vishayadalli ubbaru kittadzangu matamada bediri, yavanadaru tanna sahodarana vishayadalli kittadzangu matamada bediri, atava tanna sahodarana vishayavagi tirku madidari, avanu nyayapramanada vishayadalli kittadzangu matamada nyayapramanada vishayadalli. Hallelujah. 
ಸಹೋದರರೇ ನೀವು ಒಬ್ಬರನ್ನೊಬ್ಬರು ದ್ವೇಷಿಸಬೇಡಿರಿ ನ್ಯಾಯ ವಿಚಾರಣೆಗೆ ಗುರಿಯಾಗಿರಿ ಹಾಗೂ ನ್ಯಾಯಾಧಿಪತಿಯು ಬಾಗಿಲಿನ ಮುಂದೆಯೇ ನಿಂತಿದ್ದಾನೆ we have looked at jesus in matthew 23:23 how he said that the pharisees were very concerned about very small issues like mint and anise and cumin and all of that meanwhile they would allow the camels such as faith and judgment and mercy to just go amen so jesus was saying there that we should focus on things that are real issues not on small issues otherwise we'll become pharisaic hypocritical people who are only religious looking good outside the main issues of god are things like this notice judgment how we judge things amen are we judging people we have to eliminate judging people and judge things amen then mercy faith those kind of thoughts have to be majored on let's not major on minor issues let's not make uh, small things into big things amen we should be growing in the wisdom this this year to handle and differentiate the things that are valuable of higher value uh, excellence rather than little little nonsense things that don't really matter much hallelujah let's move in that direction that is the kind of language that he's um, been talking and so in the same james in the second chapter notice how the 13th verse reads it says he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy so you could say that this is the tribunal of judgment that imagine god is now judging somebody and maybe it's the believer here see So even in the judgment God is trying to be merciful. He's saying, "Can I have some mercy to pour into this situation?" But unless we have been merciful, he cannot really, you know, put so much mercy there. Are you getting it? So even in the judgment God is trying to be merciful because he's the father of mercies. He delights in mercy. That those are his chief values actually. Praise God, long-suffering, merciful, loving heavenly father father oh wow father of mercies all of these awesome qualities of his so we are getting revelation of it and so we're going to be merciful we're going to you know just take certain things lightly and then give more value to other things praise god hallelujah we're going to say ah let it go doesn't matter let it go you know maybe we'll sing let it go a lot let it go let it go let it go hallelujah <laughs> he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy and mercy rejoices against judgment hallelujah so god is trying to somehow turn things you know in our favor all the time but he requires mercy amen where do we get the mercy from we go to him and we draw mercy from him hallelujah we draw the mercy from him constantly go before the father of mercies go before the throne of grace obtain mercy find grace you know be merciful this year we will be merciful in jesus name we'll be more merciful than we've ever been before hallelujah and we will not judge people because that is a no go zone hallelujah amen we're going to be careful about it thank you jesus now i think we'll just look at one more scripture and close 
Matthew 25, uh, towards the very end there. Matthew 25. So I read there, praise God. Verse 42, for I was hungered and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, a thirst, a stranger, naked, sick, prison, or did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of these least, the least of these, you did it not unto me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Notice here that he has a value system that even if you do it to the very least of the believer, the, the, the blessing of ministering to a believer and doing things to the believer, of course, doing things to the world is great, but you know, uh, Galatians 6 tells us, I believe the 10th verse, especially the household of faith, especially to the believer, you are doing it to Jesus, even the very least one. Amen? So try to be merciful, try to be uh, more than available to be a blessing to the people of God and know that it is affecting Jesus directly. Hallelujah. Praise God. Having said all these things, maybe we can hear... Um, Maybe verse 45 in Canada also. Matthew 25.45 Amen. Glory to God. So, um, I'm sure that within the year we will have more and more things to think about based on these uh, given scriptures, God will unveil things to us, and before you know it, the year will be over, and we'll be closer to his coming. Praise God, and if he comes in between, thank you, Jesus, we'll go home, and our eyes will light up, hallelujah, and the surprise will thrill him, and uh, the joy will be unexpressible, <laughs> full of glory, eternally hallelujah so my brother my sister be blessed have an awesome 2021 i believe we have a good word we have an awesome awesome father and he's working in us both to will and do his good pleasure he will bring it to pass and we're going to be confident about it you are blessed hallelujah amen happy new year Thank you, team. Thank you so much. You've been a blessing. You've helped me so much. You guys, I could not appreciate you all properly. You've been really a, a mighty help to us. I'm so blessed by your help. I really thank God for each one of you. With my heart, I give you kisses. You are blessed. Thank you.